This episode of Lucas Tigers and Browns is brought to you by PWCC. Head over to pwccmarketplace.com and register. It only takes a few minutes and it's 100% free. There you'll find weekly auctions with thousands of items, all starting at $10, closing every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. You have to be registered to bid. They have the most transparent buyer's premium feature in the industry and extended bidding like no other auction house. Give it a try. You might find something you love. So, Luca Nation, we're live, and it's uh, episode, I believe, 830. And in these 830 episodes, probably have 300, 400 guests, but I can count on one hand how many of those Cage was like, hey, I think it'd be great if we have this person on. So, you guys are in for a real treat because in front of me is a collector, an artist, a television personality. Uh, honestly, very handsome man. I wouldn't be surprised you're a model and an actor as well. So, uh, Cage wanted to have this guy on, and in the few minutes we were chopping behind the scenes, uh, you you have a really, really likable spirit about you. So I think oh, the community is going to love you. Steve Lacey, welcome to the Lucas Tigers and Bronzo My Show. It's nice to I have can't, you. I can't believe I'm here. Like I was telling you, I watch this every night on my big screen TV, on YouTube TV. So this is this is a big deal for me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're going to get to the origin story because Andrew does that. That's what he's going to do, and I love yeah. it. But <laughs> I just have to stop and, and let people know how surreal that is, that you say you listen to us and watch us on YouTube every yep. night. Because, Steve, tell the folks what you do. What's your day job? Sure, sure. So I'm, I'm the 5 and 10 o'clock weekday anchor at Fox 5 here in New York City. Um, Network yeah. television anchor. And I haven't yeah. asked him yet a minute in to say any Ron Burgundy lines. None. Yeah. You'll be the first person to ever drop one of those in conversation to me. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's wild. It's fun. I've, I've been in New York. I moved here 11 years ago. It's it's just it's just been a dream. It really has been. And I, it's funny. I've got a two-year-old uh, daughter now. And so I'm actually, I came to work early because this is the only place I have any sort of peace and quiet. So I figured this would be a good place to do it. I know we do origin story, but I actually think maybe hitting, you know, how our generation is. Tell me what, tell me what you're going to tell me, right? Sure. We see more and more YouTube channels, content creators every single day in the Mm -hmm. hobby. Mm -hmm. Any advice, any like fundamentals, any, you know, your three core baby pillars of before you hop on into a show that you would be willing to share? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting because truthfully, what I said to you before we went on is true. I, I cut the cord. All I do is watch YouTube and all I do watch on YouTube is like 85% uh, sports card content, even stuff I'm not into. I'm like, if I'm out of like the stuff I like, I'll go to this channel and that channel. So I've, I've consumed a ton of it and I've, you know, I've been trying to get my art YouTube going too. So I've really been like thinking a lot about it. I do find it somewhat mysterious, the different view channels, some channels get from the other. And I know you guys are tortured by it. You're like, why don't we have more subscribers? Why don't we have, we're so trusted. Our people watch us the whole way through. And I totally get that frustration because you see the, the view totals don't seem to totally jive out to me with different people's status in the hobbies in some sense. So it, it, it does seem to be very mysterious, you know, Steve, it matters. I, I yeah. mean, and uh, I mean, it's not something I ever thought I'm an old man. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, you are, you are recording here on my birthday. Today is my birthday. Oh, I saw it. Yeah. Happy birthday. So, I, I appreciate that. Yes. And so I'm going to ask, yeah. I don't, I don't ask for gifts. I bought myself a gift 
to give to my kids to give to me. I'm not. Yeah. I don't want to. As a matter of <laughs> fact, I did a little. I did a little. You know, post today saying it's my birthday. I'll give you guys gifts. Just give me a panini name. I'll send you some panini stuff. I got yeah. packs. But I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask my audience. And, yeah. and here's why the ask before the ask. Yeah. When we have meetings, the way that the world works now mm. is the first thing that people ask for from us, whether we're meeting with anyone from fanatics. To Zion cases, anyone in the hobby outside the yep. hobby, podcast networks, you know, media studios, people who sure. want to advertise, the first thing they send is send over your numbers. Yeah, and right. and invariably, one of the first questions when we sit down and talk to them is, Cage, everyone knows you. You only have 3,100 followers? Why you don't right. have 100,000 followers? And I'm like, I've I never know. asked for followers. I've never bought followers. I've never paid for followers. Yeah. Our YouTube channel has what it has. Well, that, that's the elephant in the room too. You know, how real are people's metrics? You know, how much smoke and mirrors in, in this hobby of all things where we know that chicanery runs deep. Sure, you know. So that's my birthday ask. Follow Andrew. Follow our our Luca Tiger LeBron podcast. Go hit subscribe on YouTube. Tell a friend. Tell a neighbor. Tell yeah. an enemy. Like I've said since yeah. day one. And, and follow Steve. And follow yeah. his follow his card content. No, that'd be great. It matters. You, you know, and it's funny too. You do have to ask. Like one of the first things when I really dove into YouTube that I, I was turned off by everyone. I always smash the like button, hit subscribe, blah blah blah. But I actually had a realization recently. I, I watch this guy AAH Sports who does his whole thing is hanky panky and all that. I, yeah, I love we've had him on. We yeah, love he's he's like really having a moment now. I think his you know his his star is on the on the way up. And my light switch is going to shut off every now and again. Um, <laughs> but he just starts religiously with that pitch. And I realized I actually don't mind it. And then like, finally, after the 80th video of his that I watched, I did it. You know, so <laughs> it's like you can't on a free platform. You can't be ashamed about asking for people to do the thing that helps you grow your viewership. You know, I, I just realized that it's like, it seems like it would be annoying. You don't want to do it in your own videos, but you got to do it, you know, and it's fine. How do they rate your metrics? So in traditional TV, what are some of the metrics that, you know, yeah, the producers so they, look for? We have, you know, like Nielsen ratings every day. Um, and then they, they break it down into demographics, 18 to 24, 25 to 25 to 54 is the, you know, that's the bread and butter one. But then there's, you know, total households, this, that, and the other. They, they slice it up a million different ways. And um, I mean, even in TV, everyone argues about it. If you don't like your number, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, the sample's off. This 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 <laughs> month has been a crap. You know, <laughs> it's everyone's everyone's doing the same game, you know. But um, that's been yeah, that's been the bread and butter of that forever. And it's interesting what you say about, you know, when you go to someone with a pitch, they ask you for your numbers. I did in back in 2017, I started a podcast here. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just interview the cool people I've met through social media and da da da. Very similar to what you did. Um, and back in the wild west days of like 2017, you could get crazy guests because no one was even thinking about the fact that 25 people were watching it, you know, like you'd call like a fame. Oh, sure. Oh yeah. I'd love to do your part. Like that had not entered the chat yet. And now it's definitely like, wait a second. We can't run ourselves ragged doing 800 podcasts a day. We need to see some numbers first, you know? Well, you're already my favorite guest because Andrew for two years and change has told me about winning. We're going to win. And I say to him all the time, what's winning? And he says, uh, you got to tell me, what are some of your goals? And one of his goals was that the podcast would eventually record out of a real studio, like a news studio. And look yep. what we did today, Andrew. Yes, we're recording from there. the Fox studio in New York. <laughs> Victory. Welcome, welcome. Don't tell the union guys, but yes. <laughs> the two metrics cage that I'm most proud of is – 80% of our audience listens all the way through, which the I whole think is kind of crazy. 
and yeah, our demo weird. is 35 to 55. So we skew towards a little bit of the older demographic, mm-hmm. which if they're they don't comment like good episode, they'll like comment a paragraph well <laughs> thought out or yeah. nothing at all. Yeah. So our like kind of surf superficial metrics aren't the highest, but if you kind of look below the curtain. Yeah, there's a lot of engagement and a lot of depth. It's just on us to sell it the right way to. Right. I mean, like, yeah. Partners. So your pitch is like, listen, you're getting a lot of bang for the buck. We know we're not bringing yeah. 100,000 people here, but these people are obsessed with it. And like, we'll stick through the whole thing, which yeah. is the hard part. I mean, you're doing the hard part. You do it every day, which is insane. I can't believe you've done 870 whatever episodes that I know what a slog that is. Believe me. Um but it's like people, it really is like a parent or something like people need to like become accustomed to the fact that you're going to be there. And then that, that will, I think at some point, like exponentially scale because, because the thing that I have noticed in two years of watching nonstop content is a lot of hobby creators have come and gone, you know, over the past couple, people I liked, you know, there are a whole bunch of people I could name that like, oh, I, all of a sudden I'll think about like, I haven't seen that guy in a long time. Last video, March, 2021, you know? So longevity plus good content is the sweet spot. It's just going to happen, you know, on its own schedule. That's, that's, you know, that's art. That's everything. It's not going to happen when you want it to on your timeline. It's just going to happen when it happens, you know, hundred percent. Correct. Mm-hmm. Love it. So I'll ask, tell mm-hmm. me about collecting because, you know, it's fun to bring somebody on here who, you know, does the news in New York at 10 o'clock mm-hmm. and say, all right, you know, he's making some art and we'll get to your art in a second. But yeah. did you collect as a kid? You came yep. back in, tell, tell, tell your yeah. origin story. So, tell like, us I, your, your collecting I, I, beginnings. I feel like my origin story and how I'm going to portray myself to the audience is I'm every idiot who's been into cards. When it gets big, I get back into it. So <laughs> I, I got back in during the pandemic um, prior to that, I'm 47. So I started collecting. I mean, and I remember it clear as day, like 1982. I grew up in Massachusetts. I, I was chasing Carlton Fisk, Carl Yastrzemski cards in packs of like, I remember 82 Fleer baseball a lot, which I think would just be an issue of whatever the three convenience stores my mom took me to and I could beg her for change. They happened to sell Fleer. And then I really remember 82 tops football big time. Um, and it's like, you know, I, I cracked a few vending boxes a couple of years ago and the smell of the cards, all of it brings me right back, you know, and I, I'm still, I love the 82 set. I love all 83 baseball. So the first wave of collecting was 82 through like 85. I'm huge. I love garbage pail kids. I, cause I would buy those series one packs at Johnson's general store around the corner for 25 cents. Um, I still have a bunch of them. And then I got into the second wave 1990 ken griffey junk wax that whole thing and then it's weird because i got back into the hobby for this current time i I mean i remember dates and everything i bought it was february 26 2020 stock market was all just tanking going to hell and it was like i don't even know what these stocks are i own it just seems so (laughs) ludicrous to me i'm like what is any of this stuff i don't know And I swear to you, it was like, you know, the swans of Capistrano or something. I was just innately drawn. I'm like, I'm old now. I'm not broke. I'm going to buy a Michael Jordan rookie because all that crap I couldn't afford when I was a kid at all. You know what I mean? It's so funny. In 1990, there was like, so I bought a PSA 8 Michael Jordan rookie on February 26, 2020. And then you, and then I was just like, so hooked in after that, you know? And well, you caught the run. You yeah, the run. People remember the the run in 2021 and in August, but the first run 
was that that month of February where right before COVID. Yes. It was crazy. And then, it, yeah, it was such an interesting time because February 26th, you, you bought the Jordan yep. and COVID hit. And then Last Dance came out and it was like gas on a fire. No, totally. It, it, but it's weird. It speaks to me. I'm, I'm a big believer of people my generation. The thing I was saying to someone, which is so true, is if you're 47, so you were raised in the 80s, all of our inputs were the same. Like you drank Coca-Cola and Gatorade. You, you know, watched MTV. You were into Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. You collected cards. You collected the same cards. You wore the same clothing. You did this. We all are. You wore Jenko jeans. You wore Jenko jeans. Admit it right now. No, no but <laughs> Zubaz is coming back. I mean, that was those like weightlifting pants. Were early, early 90s. The, the, you know, the early 90s yeah. stuff. Like that. No, I know. The fancy like pants. No, 80s pants would be not Jenko jeans. It was um, no, Cavaricis. It I, I had a pair of Cavaricis in 1990, which is so embarrassing, but so true. And then Wranglers. Wranglers, yeah. I, w- I would wreck my Wranglers. American for jeans. Wrangler. American. What's your favorite MTV show in the 90s? Go. Three, two, one. Ball. Say Headbangers Ball. Ball. Wow. Headbangers Ball. He's a hard rock guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then, and then I loved all the real world. See, real world was social media before social media. True story. Yes. I love all those, those early episodes. Eric Nice. Eventually up on the grind. Exactly. The grind. I, See, I, you're right though. And by the way, that's what made it easy in yep. 2019, 2020. Everyone was after the same stuff. Everybody wanted a Michael stop. Jordan rookie. Everybody wanted these cards yep. because we oh wow, Griffey Jr. It doesn't matter the 89 upper deck. That's that exactly what four I, I, billion of them. We're we're yep. still gonna make the price nope. climb. Nope, we all we all got the hard lesson about popcorns, but that's uh, I said so I did Jordan, I did the Jordan rookie first. And then I and then I, I burned through the Griffey rookies. And then early on, though, too, one this actually wound up still being a smart play. I went to high grade early Gretzky cards. So like I got the PSA nine tops and Opeachy second year card. I got like a PSA 10, 84, 85, and I got three PSA 10. 81 Opeachy, like in action. It's like pop 31. Like I did get religion. Early, I or I realized the importance of pop counts early-ish on, so I did make some good moves. But what I didn't realize, which I'm sure has happened to everybody too, is like the Michael Jordan stuff. You think, oh my god, all right, I got I got the rookie, but you don't know about PMGs and all this madness, all these low pop things that bleed all the money out of the high pop cards. That was like what I really learned along By with the way, Steve, it's funny because a lot of people who are in this are probably five to ten years younger than us. I'm I just turned 46 today, so we're in mm-hmm. the same gen. PMGs were not in our our inputs. They were not something that we collected because by yeah. the time PMGs came out, we were in college, yeah, you know, totally. or or graduate school, or yep. you know, working, whatever yeah. it may be, right? So that was a, like the numbered stuff, the you know, the the crazy stuff that was after us. The insert, the the um, totally. the inserts, fine, but not numbered inserts. The autographs yeah. in packs, but that came after us. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. There was like a whole like, all right, I'm gonna get the rookie. I didn't. I, what do? You, what is this green right. thing that looks no, like? Totally. It, I remember. I remember thinking like, why in God's name would a prism green from Tom Brady's fifteenth year be worth anything? Because our whole life was rookie cards, rookie, rookie. cards, rookie yep. cards, and that was like the big, you know, awakening that staying with it through the hobby. You've realized like, oh no, no, no there's all this low pop, high end stuff, you know. Cage, Cage, you would still do numbered stuff. You would just derive it from like um, the print run, right? No, I mean you could figure out like how much there weren't cards weren't numbered. 
Right, but you you knew the Scoring King Jordan how many were were made? No, nobody knew how the Scoring no, King you, Jordan that ninety. You knew card. that they that Scoring Kings I believe were one per box, and you knew how many were in a set. But I didn't know how many boxes or cases of the gotcha. product were made. Clear it's Ultra was yeah. The thing the thing Andrew is is just that is just like a totally different mindset that we did not have that. You grew up inherently that was part of your collecting experience. That was nothing how we thought about it. It was just like all wanting the same cards in the best condition you could get. But no, eventually, idea. eventually, like mid 90s, like I remember like 94, 95, like Zenith, they made the Z teams and the rookie roll calls. And they started putting inserts with like fancy foil on them and they wouldn't be individually numbered, but they would say like, this is one of 3,200. Right. This is one. Mm -hmm. So you, you did start to get an understanding of the universe, the amount of cards out there, but not like serial number up to a hundred. You know, that yeah, was the, unheard of. <laughs> no. And the only, the only thing that we had like that was the 90, 91 upper deck where they started throwing in like 2,500 Reggie Jackson autographs. Yeah, an autograph. That was considered low pop. And also like to, I mean, I, you would never see one of those in the wild. You would never pull yeah. one of those because it was 2,500 out of 200 million cards. Or what, you yeah. know what I mean? It was like, like the it, score, 90 score franchise, the Mickey Mantle autographs were in the product. You, know, you never okay. sold one of those. Never, never ever would you pull one of those. Yeah. Ever, and was it ever. so? Was it like just like trial and error? Was that frustrating as a collector not knowing how many of something were available? Nope. No, nope. You, you didn't, you just didn't think that way. You were like, I've got my Air Jordan sneakers, I've got my Michael Jordan rookie. You all just collected the same crap. You had the same tapes, you had the same cassettes, you all had the same video game. Like our whole generation pre digital, we just all bought all the same stuff. And, and nobody you, was buying it with the hope to sell it to somebody else and had to figure out how to tell the story of, all right, you, you bought it because you wanted it. Yeah. Like I had a Griffey Jr. card because I wanted the card. Mm -hmm. Like I was never mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm going to take this and I'm going to – I mean we traded, you know, yeah. but the trading was different then too. It was like, all right, well, this guy's on a hitting streak. I'm going to trade this guy for the guy who's on a hitting streak. It wasn't like, oh, I got to figure out like how many of this are out there. That way I can hold it and sell it down. Like that is all like it came after. No, totally. And, and we hadn't made the connection yet too, though, because we did grow up though. Like I feel like Cage and I, our generation was the first to realize cards could have value because that was like the mantle started being worth the mantle. The, the connection we didn't make though, was that, you know, mantles were thrown in the ocean and, Meanwhile, our upper deck griffies have been made by the millions. Like the, it was again, the whole idea of a pop count was some. We just thought if it was old, it would be worth money. Right. Oh, when I'm when I'm sixty, this griffy is going to be worth a lot of money. Oh right. crap! No, it's not because there's five thousand in mint condition. You know that was the thing we didn't know. I want to ask you something about the industry, but but real quick, if we come back to you, so you had the Jordan, you bought the Jordan in an eight. Did you end up holding it? Did you get it to Luca? What were some of your next moves? And if you could kind of fast forward to what are you seeing today? Are you holding? Are you buying more? Yep. No, great question. Um, so I just, you know, I, I, I bought through my childhood. Like, I, you know, I did the Jordan. I did early Gretzky's high grade. Thankfully, I love those. I haven't sold a thing. I've never sold a card. I'm holding all of it. I mean, you know, I'm long term horizon on this now. You know, I, I view it like art. I'm just like, I'm excited for when it comes back around. Like I, I saw the you know, piece you did about probably 15 years you see a thing on Instagram which I thought was interesting comparing the housing bubble and burst to cards I think that's probably spot on you know it's gonna take a long time if ever till we see those prices again but no I just kept buying high grade stuff from my youth I watched them all rocket in February of 2021 like I mean I of course I felt like a genius I'm like oh my god look this is incredible you know <laughs> we all did 
Right. I used to go for a walk with my wife and be like, you want to retire? She's like, what are you talking about? No, I know. <laughs> I, I was hiding it. I had hid it from my wife. And I would hide the sports card content and I would hide the card. The, the, the things would come in eBay. I'd break it down in the mail room. I'd like slide it in my coat pocket. And, and, and that's true. I swear to you, that's a real story. <laughs> great. And then finally, I remember sitting down with her. I was just so thrilled with myself. It was February 2020. I go, honey, so... I got to tell you something. I've been collecting cars and now they're worth this much. And she's like, whoa, what? <laughs> and I sent them off to PWCC. I'm like, I got to get these out of my apartment. You know what I mean? <laughs> what if there's a fire or something. And then, of course, everything came crashing back down to earth. But, like, you know, I luckily I did some of the earlier stuff I'm, I'm fine on. You know what I mean? It, um, <laughs> the summer of 2020 stuff. I did not get I did not get into ultra modern because I'm actually I'm not like a big sports fan now. So Luca and all that stuff is just something I know from cards, really. Like I'm not watching basketball games. Um, I, you know, I got into like stuff like this, like, you know, lower pop cello packs. I love because I love wax. I have a tailor on the front. So this is a PSA nine LT the So like the nine say there's like pop 36, the tens. But that's a pack. That's not a card, right? No. Yeah. That's a cello pack. So these were like the double packs that, you know, these were 49 cents as a kid. This, the, I love, I love 83 baseball. This is a PSA 10 Tony Gwynn cello pack, like pop six. And luckily, like I, I lucked out. I bought this pack raw on eBay and it 10, which never happened. Wow. And then if you guys haven't held the PSA slabs where they grade the cello packs. I actually quite like those slabs. They're a little bit oversized and uh, thicker, okay, yeah. uh, but also they make great for great display. Uh, yeah, I'm, no, they they really uh, yeah. The, these new ones just feel great. They're really solid, and it's just it especially for the cellos. It's is that a Montana a big, rookie? That was eighty one tops. That's that's your story. I mean, I'm buying eighty one football cards, right? right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's nice. That's cool. It's a different way of collecting cards. Totally. And the cello and the, packs, so, especially because they're see through. You could see through it, so you know yep. there's a Montana in there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's a top card. So, so think of the magic of that. That so a card that's been famous for forty years somehow survived unopened at the top of a pack. Right. Like to me, that's the magic of collecting. Like you know what I mean? That's how many kids resisted opening this at the time. Well, are you resisting opening it and getting that card graded? Well, it's rarer the way he has it. No way, absolutely really? not. no. Because the thing is, the top card here, like the top card, gets shattered from like the the cello and da 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 da. Gotcha. This I'm sure, like how they do the cellos is it's about the the sanctity of the rapper and and they're real big on like the centering of this label. So like this has to be dead center for it to be a ten, and there's very few tens because I mean they didn't care about the cards coming off the the, the line. Never mind how they wrap the cello packs. Guys, know? I'll tell you, it, this is a YouTube video. I'm a podcast guy. It's how we started. And I'm always looking at the podcast numbers. We got to take a look at this, right? Because what you're seeing here is a couple things. Number one, you're seeing that there is not one way to collect. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing somebody who came in, you know, again, for the third time collecting during mm -hmm. the pandemic, like a lot of you did, but has absolutely no thought process at all about leaving, which right. I'm fearful of, you know, if, if there's a downturn, Andrew's generation is not sticky. You know, they want that crypto, you know, they want that high. Yeah. They move on to the next thing. They're, they're sneakers. They're, and you know what? I was guilty of it myself. I remember switching from cards to Beanie Babies when the Parsippany show in, in oh, New yeah. Jersey yeah. went and did it in the 90s. You know, it, yeah. you know you're always chasing that, that gain now if it's an investment rather than a collection. 
But right. but what I love is just the smile from Steve because this is nostalgia. This is what you know that whole phrase we use from Joshua Colbert Chronicles, right? It's it's not we love it because it's worth money. It's worth money because we love totally. it. So this yeah. is what he loves. Like this is now yeah. taking him back to when he was a boy going into the store and yeah. buying one of these packs. And maybe even Andrew, because your mind is blown by the see-through pack, maybe even looking in the box a little bit to see if one of the guys he wanted was on the top of one oh, of these yeah. packs. Well, like in, in the second wave, I, I remember going to the store Bradley's, which doesn't even exist anymore, going yeah, through the nine Don Ross rack packs, trying to get the Griffey rookie on top, all that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, for sure. No, but that's it. Cool. I mean, for the, for that cool stuff to last through, through eternity is so rare. You know what I mean? That it survived all of that. Wasn't yeah, You kind of get the, the best of both worlds is what I'm seeing here because yeah. you, LT and Joe Montana, so you, you do have like a, a position in yeah. both of those players, but you also have it in a very cool way where it's kind of deflationary in that. Yes, those packs are being opened. You're not seeing more and more. Totally, of those packs. and it's and it's more fun than wax because wax. What do you have to do? Leave it alone. Here, I can be like, look at it, be like, ah, there's the card I'm looking for. Not right. knowing it's somewhere in an open, unopened box that if you touch, you automatically lose like all your money. You and it's it. not, you know, no one's coming in and saying, Steve, you're collecting wrong. Because right. this is what he loves to buy, you know what I mean? And, and and eventually maybe it's worth some money, but he hasn't sold anything, right? So even if right. it's not, yeah. this is a cool that's displayable, like you said, Andrew, with the slab. And yeah. you know, it's those are you know, those are the stories we like to share, right? And yeah. and yeah. But let me ask you this, because you answered you answered those. That was great. I mean, yeah. I love it. Go back and listen to the last five minutes, guys. But my question becomes this obviously you're a, you know, you're a person of means, which is great. Not everyone is. We got a lot of kids who came in the hobby, got like young people who came in the hobby. Andrew gives me crap all the time because I'm always like, This is what I'm gonna do. And he's like, Yeah, Cage, but not everyone has your wallet. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I get it. So we'll speak to the people, you know, who, who might not. Yeah. Why is it that you're so just I'm in and I'm here. Like I'm not leaving. Why is it, is, is it, is there some sort of nostalgia pull? Is it because you expect that at some point in time, you know, it will reverse. Is it the community you found? What is it? And it could be a bunch of things or whatever yeah. it is. Well, but I think people need to hear that. Right. Because I don't want anyone to leave. I want every single right. person listening to this to be listening to me and Andrew a year, five years, 10 years from now. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I just love it. Um, it's funny. Like I tend to love things for life. You know what I mean? Like I'm still into guns and roses. I'm still into like, there, there are things in my youth that like, I love, I love it. And I love it forever. And cards is definitely one of that, one of those things. And I think now too, like it's fun to be a collector because you have this whole content world around it. You know what I mean? It's like, you're not collecting in a bubble. It's, it's like you get to share other people's passions virtually and see what they're collecting. And you, you can just keep workshopping ideas sort of about what you're interested in. It's a lot easier to stay completely connected to the hobby than it was when really your only connection was getting a Beckett in the mail every month or whatever. You know, it's just it's a, to me, it's a lot stickier. And like my love of this stuff has only grown deeper over the years. It just it brings me back. So it's nostalgia based. And it, it's, it, but it's, it's an appreciation for the art of this stuff because I think it's incredible, you know. And you have some of it in your office. Do people look at you sideways and like, oh, there's the weirdo who's got, he's playing with his cards again. He's playing no. with his dolls. No, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, this, that, that's the art I make. So it's like, you know, with the art, I've been massively into, I've, I've been teaching myself screen printing, and which you also have to learn Photoshop for the past seven years. So then, you know, when I got back into the hobby, I was like, wow, like I'd love to figure out how to make cards because they've always done baseball card art. I used to do like the wax wrapper from the 75 baseball with the pitcher. I would just 
draw and paint that. And I knew I always kind of like needed to learn how to screen print, but it's, it's a lot, you know what I mean? You got to find a place to do it. You have to learn Photoshop and then you have to teach yourself to screen print. So it's like, it's a commitment to like a multi-year process. So anyway, though, when I was like five years in five years, six years in, into screen printing, I was like, I've got to figure out how they made these cards. And I was able to figure out that sports cards are all what's known as four color CMYK prints. They they're just dots layered from yellow to cyan, magenta, magenta yeah, black, yellow, magenta, cyan, yeah. which is blue, black, yep, yellow, black, cyan, and magenta. Those are the four. Yep. And they're just dots at slightly different angles so they don't overlap each other. And once I figured that out, I couldn't stop making them. It's like I'd be halfway through making one card. And I'm like, I got to make this card. I got to make this card. And they look exactly like the cards. But, the, of course, the only problem with art cards as art is they're too small. You can't really display. Like, look, it would take – you'd have to put 500 cards on his wall. You know what yeah, I mean? To cover exactly. that up. But when you see the detail, you know – up close of these cards i just think it's really cool and like you can i mean you For can sure. get the detail it's like exact you know what i mean look at that and you made that yeah yeah so i made i've, I've got a um it's a gorgeous card it's it's one of the nicest cards panini's ever made in my opinion is that yeah great? no i mean this, this card is just is beautiful I, I was kind of excited to find out that that CMYK technique would still work. I didn't know if it would work on like super fractors, ultra modern, but it does. It just, it and just guys, works. For the card collectors out there, if you've seen somebody pull a printing plate out of a pack, right? Mm -hmm. So Andrew, stick with me here because you were like, whoa, what is he? What are these words he's throwing out? Cyan, whole deal. Those printing plates are actually the plates that are used to make the cards. And those plates, even though they say one of ones, the hobby doesn't really love them because they're not cards, they're metal, they're all deal. But there's yeah. four one of ones for each card. Every one of those cards has a cyan, a magenta, a black, and a yellow printing plate. And yeah. some of them actually have that color still a little bit left over on the printing right. plate. Some yeah. of them they they autograph the whole deal. Yeah. And you know, so those are the plates that are actually used for printing the card. So Steve's right, actually taking that and yeah, yeah. turned right it onto out. the cardboard. Yeah. Yep. So it's like, it, it's cool that it works with screen printing. And I mean, it's just like, it's so satisfying. The list of projects I have coming up that I need to do just for my own satisfaction. You know what I mean? Once I, it's like, I felt like I cracked the code on that, how to make realistic sports card art. And I'm like, I'm just obsessed with it. So you can find Steve's stuff on the sportscardartist.com. The sportscardartist.com. <laughs> well, Andrew's very good at this stuff. Before the episode's over, he will get it somewhere on the screen for you guys to see. Oh, cool, yeah. Take a look and um, and I mean some cool stuff. Everyone's gonna go and take a look at it. But what's the what's your favorite one? What of the stuff you've made? What's your favorite card art that you've made? You know what? I so one of the first cards I remember from getting into the hobby, um, a 1979 Thurman Munson card. Because, it, you know, and again, how we started collecting, I started collecting in 82. But then once I got into it, I would get my neighbor's cards like, who were out of it. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, you got friends who were three years older. So like my first experience with cards went back to like 77, 78, 79. That 79 set, I remember clear. I mean, that was such an integral part of my life. So, you know, that's obviously his last car. He died in the, in the, in the uh, plane crash plane that crash, year. Yeah. But it just the thing I love about art is how much you can pinpoint 
exactly what era each individual card was from. You see that Thurman Munson card with the mutton chops and everything. And you're like, that's 1979. No doubt about it. You know, it just, and, and so, yeah, I I think like that, that's one of my favorite ones. I mean, the Jordan one, and then I've gotten more um, creative with like, not just recreating the card exactly, but then like throwing another layer of white, make it look distressed, different things like that to sort of give it an artistic flair beyond just the original card as well. So, and you just had a gallery show in the last yeah. couple of weeks, right? How'd that go? Yeah, it was great. Uh, it was in Greenwich, Connecticut, this place, C. Parker. And I mean, the thing that's cool about like the way I create these is I'm part of a, it's a, 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 a studio that's open to the public. You rent space. It's just sort of luck of the draw. If, there, if it's empty when you get there, you can, you know, create. So what happens is these start as um, rolls of canvas, like they're just massive rolls. I create them and then I send them off to the guy who stretches them onto the wooden bars, but I never really get to see the finished product the way it's intended like this until I do a show. So for me, it was just awesome to finally see Bill Walton, rookie Kobe, LeBron, Mike Trout, Mickey Mantle, like all these cards that I had made in one place properly displayed was like a real big thrill for me, you know? I think if I, my little intuition is, is working, right? I think we'll have some of those at a show in the next year, two years. But you see where they have that Curry autograph? We're going to leave that blank and we're going to have Curry sign it in person. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. Yeah. We're going to have Montana hand sign it at one of the shows. No, that's something. Uh, we're going to yeah. have Mike Tyson put put his joint out on one of them. <laughs> when, are you, when are you going to make one of a sealed pack? Oh, I would. Yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah. Like this. I love the 75 pack, the 75 baseball. Those old hockey packs are insane. Yeah. Because that's what I started doing initially. And the reason why I would do the pack as opposed to the cards before I knew how to screen print, it's impossible, in my opinion, to make. It's like you can't get it exact enough without screen printing. You have to like fudge over the details of a card, but you could do the pack easier. The art of that without screen printing. But now that I can do the screen printing. I'm excited to go back and make the packs the way they were done originally. You know, so it, let's say I'm, I'm listening. Go to the sportscardartist.com and mm-hmm. shoot you a message. Buy right through the site. What's uh, if I'm I want to buy one? I'm I'm gonna get one right here for my wall. Well, what what's yeah. the just, what's just the one, met, two, three, you know, I'm on so uh, you know Instagram Steve Lacey. You can find me on uh, oh there's the link. Nice cool. Um, yeah, just reach out to me. There's links there to message me. Um, I can make any size and I can really make any card too so like if you're like oh my god i would love a 1978 nolan ryan you know any card i can make we'll talk and i just i i I just want to get them out there at this point you know what i mean i'm just i'm big on just getting them out letting people the right people see it because it's like cards it's a hyper niche thing you know what but i know the right person sees this and it's gonna be like oh my god i need that for my office i need it for my summer home for sure. My man cave. So it's just, that's always a challenge getting it out there. So I, I appreciate you helping me spread the word on that front, you know, as well. It's great. Oh, for sure. For mm-hmm. sure. For sure. I'm, I'm going to get one for my wall and people will see it on. Like what, on what, what is, what's your card? Like what, what would your card of this be like <laughs> that you would want done? Well, it's something, ob- the obvious choice is Kobe, but I want to go a little bit more original. So like, I, I'm kind of thinking like, it'd be kind of cool to go with uh shoeless Joe Jackson from like mm-hmm. the 1900s, like really go all yeah. the way back in history. Cause okay. I'll have a Kobe. Everyone knows I love Kobe, but I really kind of want to make a statement. Uh, mm-hmm. A card I love is actually Lev Yashin and Pele scoring a, a header goal 
back in like 1948. So I'll have to think about it. Yeah, I'll have yeah, to yeah. Think about it. yeah. I, I want to go original. I want to ask Do you like Maradona, and, hand of God, maybe like the hand of God. Now, or, or, or Zidane headbutting uh, Matarazzo. Or Mat- I forget his name. I want to ask you something. So, yeah. Suarez where did you go to, Yes. Where did you go to journalism school, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, so, I, I mean, I, I went to Boston College, but I was actually – well, this, this, is a good, this is a good story. I like telling this story because I think it's helpful, and it, 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 it very much aligns with everything Gary Vee would tell you if you were watching him. I Buy CryptoPunks. No. Yes. Yeah, buy Vee friends. Um no, um, I, I was, I wanted, I always wanted to do the job I have now. I was a communications major my freshman year. And then I got sick of like people thinking you're dumb if you were in communications. Like at BC, it was like, oh, you're in communications, like whatever. You know what I mean? So I switched to marketing. I did a sales <laughs> job my first year out of college for ADP payroll out of Parsippany, New Jersey. You mentioned Parsippany. I did sales training there. And, and then I did that for a year and I'm like, okay, like I don't want to do this. And I know I'm 23, like my life isn't over based on what I did the first thing out of college. So I just like, I, I got TV, I got behind the scenes TV jobs. I put together a fake tape of like me fake reporting, you know, and I would send it out. There's a, there's a site called TV, tvjobs.com, I think, like early internet, like 2000, you know, and I would just send tapes via VHS tapes to every reporter opening in the country. And then I wound up getting my first job in Bangor, Maine in November of 2001, right after 9-11 and all that. And I moved there from Boston. I made 17 grand. And like, honestly, I was overpaid because I brought no value. Like it was, it was really me learning on the job on their dime. So there were a lot of times though, where, you know, you're like, what am I doing? My friends are starting to make dough. I was 26 at the time. I felt old already, even though I wasn't but I stuck it out, you know, and then, then I went from, you know, Bangor to Springfield to Boston. And then I've been in New York for 11 years. So it's like, it all worked out so much better than I could have ever hoped for. But it really was a lot about being able to endure the humiliation of not being good at your job <laughs> on TV. You know what I mean? Where people can see it. So, I mean, thankfully it was pre-social media, pre-DVR to a lot of my like terrible live shots and whatnot. I, I think, you know, been erased from the universe for the most part, God willing. But you know, it was, it was about sort of commitment to the idea that this is what I wanted to do. And there was plenty of self-doubt along the way, but I didn't want to give up and thank God it worked out, you know? I have so, a question and I'm going to ask Cage to this. So Ted Turner, a lot of people don't realize this whole news media, there used to be like three channels yep. on this, like, t- and it was like a knob. It was like, then Ted Turner, and I'm not a journalist guy. So poke mm-hmm. holes say this was yeah. a little wrong created the created cnn and it was 24 hour news right yeah Yeah. and in the hobby we talk about how negativity will keep people from joining and people will leave because of negative news but in reality if we just look at the media industry the media sells negativity and that industry has grown 40 over the last 40 years media is huge right and really if you ask people 90 percent 80 percent they they're selling fear or negativity Yep. I'm curious what your thoughts are. One, is that true, what I said? And two, you watch sports card content. Yeah. Does negative content really push people out of the hobby? Any thoughts on it? 
They don't all just so, sell negativity, by the way. Rosanna Scotto sells pasta now. I mean, they you know they sell all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> That's not right. news. That's Emerald. We've talked <laughs> yeah. about that. No, no, no. All right. I mean, so your first point. I mean, yeah. Does negativity sell? Yes, for sure. I mean, we've got ten million examples of that in the current media universe. I think it's it's a it's how it plays into sports card and you know. It's different because, I mean, it, now we're just such a tribal nation in one of two camps. So that, the political side of the negativity, that's where the audience is in, you know, in relation to cable news or whatnot. I don't, I don't know how it corresponds to collecting because basically, I guess the two tribes would have to be either people who are into it or people who are out of it. But if they're out of it, they're just not going to watch. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think negative hobby content is inherently bad for the hobby at all you know what i mean like i i think like sports car radio and stuff does a valuable service in showing the other side of the pillow you know as far as like hey listen like we've been around for longer than you have and we know all the scams and bs that goes on i think that has value you know um i think a lot of maybe like the personal vendettas and name calling or whatever it's entertaining it's probably it's probably neither here nor there for the long-term benefit of the hobby you know i i, I think the hop the content just has to speak to what would make people want to be involved in it. But there's probably room, I think, for positive, negative, and everything in between. I don't know. Cage, any thoughts? I can't do better than that. I mean, there's place for all of it, right? And and there's mm. content that is, you know, blowing it all up and there's content that's burning it all down, right? And it's right. funny, you know, um, pe more people do things when it's easy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean... And think about it now, like a sports card radio, I do give them credit because they were doing the same type of content when everybody else was cheerleading. Totally. The totally. whole thing was exploding. Everything was yep. great. We were all high-fiving. No one wanted to hear a negative and, word about any of it. Right. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. But they were still doing the same type of content then. So yep. you get to have your day in the sun, right? Gary Vee was right for a while. And then when the, when the page turns, Vegas Dave is right. You know I what know, I mean? They can know, have their, know, you know, I, I mean, know. so what I give credit for are the people who are doing what they're doing consistently, right? Because yeah. it's easy to talk about, I'm picking cards and I'm going to make you all money when everyone is picking the right cards and making right. the right money. When it's on the way down, those guys also, the, the, the cheerleaders who are all positive mm -hmm. and optimistic, three quarters of them are gone as Steve right. started off you know, talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing for it is consistency. And if that's your message, that's your message. But I understand what you're saying. You know what will go a long way? How is Steve going to find a way to work a card into the mainstream media broadcast? Because we've, we've had Adam Lefko on, and he yeah. does sports, right? He TNT. Yeah. Yeah. So it's easy for him to say, hey, look, I, I need Luca to have a good game tonight. I have a card. Yeah, like, yeah. How is Steve going to work some cards into the broadcast? we got to think about that. Audience. Yeah. You know what? It's funny. My, my other obsession outside of cards is the band Fish. So like, I, I work oh. for references all, all over the place. Really? Uh, well, Andrew is a mean vacuum cleaner player. Oh, he's challenging Fishman for he's vacuum Fishman. solo. He can play vacuum solo. We'll have to no, get him in the lost. donut dress and see see what he can do. I'm confusing fish and Grateful Dead in my uh, in a my lot head, of people do. Yeah, but the, the, they had like the big bands. People like follow them around the country when they tour. Yeah, I mean, like musically, they're they're not similar, but like no. the from the outside, the fans look very similar in their fanaticism, their dress, their approach to life. They travel know. them. 
fish heads or, or dead heads? Is it fish heads or dead heads? They're both. They're both. They're both. They're oh, there's fish heads and dead heads? Yeah. yeah, they're different groups. If we're you're not fish or dead heads, heads. Yeah, yeah. you know, people who want to follow Trey Anastasio and Fishman yeah. around, they're the fish guys. Which, yeah. by the way, I'm not a fan, but my college roommate was, and it has stuck with me the entire time. No, I, I, I was curious. I could tell you weren't, but you knew enough about it. I was That's like, it. I That's my life, by the way. Like. That's me yeah. on the show. I'm not an expert in anything, but I yeah. can talk about most things. Yeah. That's kind of the deal. He yeah. comes at the calls. I saw this just this week with uh, a business call where he knows just enough about the other person's resume to scare life, them, yeah, to scare them to the point where they're like, "What the hell is happening on this introductory call? And why does this man know so much about? Why me? does he know what college I went to and where I majored? Well, LinkedIn <laughs> is out there, guys. Yeah, there. Social, social media is incredible. I mean, it's I, I, I it's so powerful. It hasn't I, honestly, it's like the hobby. It hasn't been all good or whatever. Maybe it started in one way. It was going to be a positive world changing for the better. We we're all going to be connected in community. Of course, that's been perverted beyond, you know, recognition of what Instagram and Facebook was 10 years ago. But um, everything evolves, you know, not always for the better. But it, it, I mean, it's a very powerful tool for sure. I mean, I just like the connections you can make. I mean, how this happened is. I followed you on Instagram. You followed me back. You saw my feed. You said, oh, that art's cool. Let's do a podcast. I said, that would be great. And here we are. That's I mean, right. there would have been no, I don't go to card shows. You know, I'm not in the hobby in any public facing way. There would have been no way for this to happen even five years ago. You know, big, big card show tomorrow and Sunday at Hofstra if you want to venture what? out to Long Island. Oh, East Coast National. East Coast, yeah, it's a big you show. Know, they, that happens like a bunch of times, right? A year, or, is, they, or they do it in the spring and in the fall. The big, okay. the big shows at Hopster. Yeah, no, but they got some good autograph guests. You might, you know, maybe get some guys who you know, I, who you know, take I a would, look. I, I would like to check that out. <laughs> Ian, Ian opens packs and eats base cards. There's Only Astros. He, he bites the Astros cards. He calls them cheaters and then bites the cards. So something doesn't <laughs> add up to me, Steve. Yeah. Uh oh. So, uh-uh. so <laughs> you're. Well, he doesn't Here do you, math well, Steve, so this so doesn't you're, surprise you, me. You're so smiley. You're so happy. I feel your positivity. But on the other hand... You know, I was told starving artist, starving artist. And then here you're watching sports card radio, AIH. And I'm like, is he just like this positive, like good morning America guy? Is he a starving artist? Wh what bucket well, do you well, fall in? Or you, you can be all the above. Well, I, I'm not a starving artist because I have a day job. Thank God. So that, I that's tell Andrew what, this all the time. Yeah. I, that's a humongous <laughs> lesson. Like, and this is something I saw a lot of people do during the, during the, pandemic i think they wanted to create a new lifestyle and they said you know what i'm going to give myself no net i'm just going to do it i'm going to become a coach of this that or the other on instagram and i'm not going to have a fallback plan that's a bad way to do it i think you're going to have more options to do the things you want in your whatever your chosen field is if you do have rent taken care of andrew's you, got hives from what you, you could you could only listen you could only live off your fat reserves for so long away, right no, because that is our generation where we are anchored to it. We do things. We'll, we'll try the high wire as long as we know the net is okay. Andrew yeah. lives by the the way to make sure plan A works yep. is for plan B to be not to have a plan B. That's so, yeah. this generation. But, but this wasn't like a new thing for me. I did this in 2013 when I got a job on Wall Street and I was like, I think I'm dying in here. <laughs> right. He's telling me the I, lights I, are sucking my energy. Yeah. <laughs> what is this is what it, this is going to be my life for the next 50 years no, i know kill well, me now that that was me selling payroll door to door to small businesses i'm like this isn't real this is not my life this is not who i am um 
And I mean, I guess in some ways I did cut the cord. You know, I, I wound up bartending and all that in the years between selling payroll and working in TV. There were there were incredibly lean years. Um, you know, it, it everything is gray. It, it it's but I would just say don't don't rush to cut your cords thinking it's gonna happen overnight. Greatness yeah. that wouldn't have otherwise happened. And sometimes it might jeopardize it because I've never had to worry about what card I'm making, which has the for most sure. commercial appeal. I just make what I want. But listen, for the younger audience out there, let's spin this a different way, right? Yeah. So we're talking about 47-year-old Steve doing art or 45-year-old, 43. Yeah. You've been doing it for the last couple of years, right? And doing it with a net. But the motivational speaker posse that's out there that likes the quotes and the whole deal focused more on 20 minutes ago where Steve decided that he was going to get on television and it didn't matter how he did it. Yeah. He was going yeah. to basically fake it until he made it. He's doing 100%. videos of fake. Yeah. But I consider that he... entrepreneurship, by the way, entrepreneurship yeah. like this. Yeah. Cause he bet on himself is really how I define right. entrepreneurship. No, that that's, that, that is to me, the success of, of my career is that I it's, it's actually wild to me when I look back on it, that I did it. Like there is something beautiful about youth. Like, how insane was I to think this would ever work out? Like it's and it crazy. did. It did. It, like it, but but like it doesn't for a lot of people. You know, it's you true. never know. It's wild. So I'm just I'm I'm only overwhelmed with gratitude that I live in New York City and I've got a beautiful wife and a daughter and I've got a great life. Like I can't believe it worked out like this. You know what I mean? It's it's it blows my mind because there was no guarantees it would. I think the biggest thing is I, I take don't cut the cords. But you can bet on yourself. And I think in today's day and age, I don't know if it's easier, but like you don't have to commute for one. Most of you guys out there that have jobs it's, can it's, work from home. It's easier because you you all have the tools to do it. Like when I was making my first fake TV tapes, I had to get a union photog to like lose 10 minutes of his lunch, go out in the back parking lot while I did right. you know, fake standups. Now you can do it all on your phone. The flip side of that is so can everybody else. Yeah. So you're just, you know, you're a bigger needle in a bigger haystack or whatever so that that that's the both sides of that coin you know but i'm but i'm all for everybody betting on themselves and whatnot just just don't take away options by leaving yourself so backed up against the wall too too late for andrew so <laughs> something i love like the man in the arena i love that quote but i like it for a different reason like when you play a sport or you do something at a high level you are able to not critique, but like view something from a different lens. So you watch a lot of sports card content. You yeah. mentioned AIH. Uh, yeah. You mentioned sports card radio. Who is doing it right? And or who do you like what they're doing? And if you could call out specifically what you like about. Yeah, them. sure. I mean, like, so like there, there's one guy who doesn't post that much. I think his it's hard because I'm just watching, watching, watching. So it's like I'm, it's like social media. You don't know where you saw anything. But like there's this guy, I think his handle is Vintage Card Curator. And what he does which I think is really cool. <laughs> he goes through the fallacy of PSA pop counts, specifically when they like artificially lower the PSA tens. Like he does these methodical videos where it's like, well, if the ratio of nines to tens is this, then are there really only 10 Derek Jeter, 93 SP foil tens? That's, that's, and he like, I mean, this is like, you know, a legal shocking card. Yeah. There's yeah. like 20 PSA tens of no, card. totally. And, and like when you're done watching his video, like, okay, that's BS. And he does that for like all the other pop controlled cards, like, um, you know, like the, uh, 79 Aussie Smith and da, 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 da. Like there should be more tens. There should be 80 more Henderson. Tens. Totally. All that sort of stuff. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm can having... I contextualize this for people? This is yeah. a great one. I can't believe you started this. Yeah. So 
what he does with the Jeter for specifically. We've talked about this card. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's 20 PSA 10s, which is like a $400,000 card. Right. And there's in the hundreds, I think 700, 800 PSA 9s. But that ratio of 20 into 700 for Jeter's yep. doesn't match across the same. For any other set. card in that set, it's and, not that. And then he goes down to like, where is this card on the sheet? Okay, that's not a part of the sheet that would absolutely be miscut every time. It doesn't make any sense. Like it's he's so methodical. Like you know, um, defendant, would you like to take the stand and make a statement, Cage? No, I listen. What I find amazing about this this is that someone like Steve, who's having fun with this, consumes this much hobby content that he's able to answer a question i'm like wow put him on a spot what if he only listens to us in aih no and and boom nailed it i mean like i i like roth cards i like foreign house i like those like really hyper well edited high production value it's very entertaining you know or like the shots match the beat of the music and i think like those guys are smart what they learned is actually genius don't expect they, them to be so nice to you yeah, when yeah, you meet yeah. them in person, though. Just okay. Well, don't don't meet your expect any of that don't from meet us. Your either. Yeah. <laughs> don't expect um, that from us either. No, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but it's like it's. In, I think they've outsourced the video and the editing, which is smart. That's what Sasha. T, I think that, that was like Sasha T's innovation. He wasn't like. He was like, okay, I do cards. I'm going to get someone who does video and editing, and it's going to look good and it's going to sound good, and the production values are good. So I mean, I, I do like production values, but. I, bad production values doesn't turn me off. Like last night I was watching this guy, Brandon's packs who does just like, he's like a cello unopened guy. I mean, he's just there on his phone in his house going through what he likes. So it, it, production values aren't a deal breaker for me, but they definitely help. You know what I mean? It'll, it'll keep you there longer. I think, you know, yep. 50, 50, 80, 20 content to production. What would you I, say? The split? I, I would say probably 80, 20 content. But the only thing is, like, people do have to be properly mic'd and stuff. I, I can't deal with like, no, but that's your fine. mic is fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get a lot oh, like, of all right. This, by the this way. is what I want. I want you guys to get Cajun a microphone. Oh, that I would was love that. Is that you from all of those accounts? <laughs> the enemy? Oh, the people say that. <laughs> really? Yeah. No. Can I tell you the truth? And I and I love Cajun. I was psyched he joined you guys because I learn a lot from him just barreling through at one and a half speed, which is his natural rate. All the modern stuff. Like I learned a ton from his PWCC breakouts. Like I love that, you know. So there's this magic card. It's um give me the skill to yield this tool. It's not just about the tool, it's about the skill to yield. So uh wield, not yield. So he had a Yeti microphone, it just wasn't connected to the input. So it wasn't a microphone issue. It was the source was not connected. Uh, so he was talking into a microphone, but the microphone well, wasn't He's, he's so high strung like that. Actually, I love that story. It makes perfect sense. He had <laughs> monster energy. He was fasting. He, his, his eight kids were in bed. He was up at 5 a.m. Like that's perfectly so on brand for Cajun. Like I, I, I love it. I'm obsessed. But to go settings, audio input, microphone, it's like, no, 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 no. So, he, he, he had to burn through 80 cards in eight minutes. <laughs> what uh <laughs> that's so on brand I, okay so v- victory uh was the first account cajun cajun is incredible anyone else one more account you want to give flowers to uh, um huh andrew's big on the flowers he likes the flowers which yeah, is good correct. this is part of the whole hobby positivity and like the good thing that you know moves it moves you it think forward. i'm putting I'm steve so, on, this, so on the spot i could ask you cage 
Yeah, um, I don't give flowers to any- I give flowers to everybody who has wished me a happy birthday today. I feel awesome. <laughs> the, the hobby's so, the best. You feel so seen. I, I, no, I don't I know. Do. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, I, I watch like baseball collector, like I Mike, you know, vintage. Like I, I do the thing I like about it too. Like I like that you can get every different era. Like I like watching some vintage. I like watching. Um, I like watching Ultraman. I like even watching stuff I don't collect just because it's interesting. Sort of like you know the mentality and the and the idea behind it. So what you know, I, I really do like it all. I'm glad you guys called me out though, so I could prove that I'm not like pretending to be into car. I I like that you pressed me on that, so I could prove that I actually do watch this stuff. <laughs> No, I mean, I think it's amazing. Everybody find the, the sportscardartist.com. Steve Lacey, you know, he's on Instagram. I mean, I get to chat with him. It's pretty cool because 10 o'clock, I'll turn the news on. He's there also. Yeah. And so it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty surreal. Um, yeah. And yeah, we started well, off with, you know, hey, I, I watch you guys every day. That was very weird to me because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's on television every day. So I love you- it. <laughs> He's yes. got to bounce real quick. Are you a teleprompter yeah. guy or are you uh, oh, no, no, it's, it's not a prompter. It's not the prompter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. Yeah. It's all on the prompter. It's I'm Ronnie Burgundy. But yes, exactly. <laughs> San Diego. But I, I ad lib and write plenty for sure. But I mean, ultimately that's how it's lived. All right. Street Lacey, Fox, I got I got to go. Sports hit my card artist. This was great. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Ah, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.